Welcome to the podcast, Career Stories from the Field. I am Penny Strutton, a business psychologist and career coach, and for the last 10 years, I've worked with hundreds of people and helped them find a job or career that fulfills them. Very rarely do we see a straightforward career pathway. This podcast will showcase a variety of careers and highlight the career pathways people have taken to achieve their current position. It is the interesting routes, choices, opportunities and challenges that I will be exploring to showcase how different people have navigated their career. I'm hoping to help young people and career changers join the dots between subjects at school, tertiary education and job experience and give more people confidence to embrace opportunities that take them closer to a fulfilling career. This week, I'm talking to Paul Race. Paul is the operations director for an international manufacturing company. His career spans IT, logistics and operations and has taken him to the Far East and Europe where he has managed large scale programs. Paul's story shows us that you don't need a degree to get a top job, just a positive mindset, curiosity and an appetite for lifelong learning. So welcome, Paul Race, to yet another episode of Career Stories from the Field. So glad you could come in and talk to me today. Thanks, Penny. It's great to be here. Thank you. So let's start. Tell us what your job title is and give us a bit of an overview of what you do every day. Yeah, cool. So currently I'm the operations director at ACO Technologies PLC in the UK. ACO is a global family-owned company that has around 5,000 employees and last year had about 1 billion euro in sales uh, and about 85 million euros of that was from the UK plants. Uh, As operations director, I directly oversee health and safety, manufacturing, purchasing, logistics, uh, sales and operations, planning, engineering and facilities management for both the sites in the UK. A typical day, I guess. So every day I have a daily meeting with my team each morning uh, to keep them up to speed with uh, what's coming top down uh, and for me to keep up to speed with what what they're doing and any issues and priorities for the day. Uh, During the week, my calendar has one-to-one schedules with my directs. So I have a one-to-one with each of my directs. So typically I'll have one or two of those each day to, to do. And then around those meetings, uh, we have some big projects just starting. So a new site development with a huge stockyard and new warehouse that we broke ground on recently. So that's that's going to take up some time for the next six to eight months. Uh, And we also have a new production line coming in mid-year, which will increase our capacity in one part of the UK business by 30%. So Around that, the UK grew around 25% last year, which was a record year for them. And and already we're growing in double digits this year. So we have growing pains and and all the adventures that brings along too. There's always plenty to do. (laughs) Gosh, that sounds really like a a big portfolio and and a lot of exciting challenges that you've, you've got on. In terms of the, uh, the meetings that you have with your direct reports, what sort of problems and issues are you dealing with on a day-to-day basis? Okay, well, I've just I've only been at Echo Technologies for three months now, so I, I recently started last November. So at the moment, I'm sort of still learning uh, about the people and and their their business life and personal life, and I'm still learning about the company and its culture. 
um, in between dealing with all the all the day to day issues and uh, that, that are cropping up with the projects and, and the growing pains, etc. So I'd say at the moment, I'm still a lot in learning mode, induction mode, shall we say. Okay, great. So you've only been in the role a few months, but what are you really enjoying about this role at the moment? Uh, well, the, the role uh, and, and similar roles that I've done in the past, the, the, without doubt, I love working with the team that are reporting to me and the wider team to make things happen, whether that is solving a problem with a six hat thinking session that we did a couple of weeks ago uh, to solve or to look at a particular constraint that we had in the business, or whether it's improving processes to become more systematic or working with individual members of the team to you know, improve their development and their objectives. So, so working with the team is what I love more, most about the job. I do have a bit of an IT background and I did do digital transformation for a couple of years. So, so improving things digitally is, is never far away from what I enjoy doing as well. That's a, that's a great description of what you enjoy and you've certainly highlighted some skills there, but what particular skills, if you were to narrow them down, have enabled you to get this job and to, to be productive in it? Three most significant skills, I would say. Um, I know it comes up a few times, but as a manager of people at whatever level, you, you need good interpersonal skills and the soft skills such as empathy will always be useful. So you must remember when you manage a team of people, it's less about what work you turn out personally and more about what the team turns out. So people skills go a long way to making that happen, you know, even as an operations director. As part of my time in automotive industry, I did a lot of lean manufacturing courses during my career, and that's helped me to implement quality systems and, and manufacturing systems. So to understand operations through those tools is a very useful skills or skill set to learn and would transcend basically into any industry. And then I guess the other skill uh, would be IT skills. Uh, I mean, obviously, from an education point of view, sort of engineering and, and some background like that would be useful. But um, from a skill set, I mean, IT skills, not necessarily deep IT skills, but uh, let's say better than most would be useful. In today's world, especially where everything is connected, a key understanding of topics such as SCADA, Internet of Things and ERP systems has certainly made my life easier. Um, just on that, it's funny that due to my IT background, no matter what position I held, I, I always got given the ERP project. And a little story, when I came back from China to the UK to manage the plant in Leicester, a couple of weeks after I was there, I was asked or politely told, by the way, can you also run the product project to change the ERP system in 10 sites around the world in, in our little part of the company I was working for? And, and at that time and before that, I always thought it was a curse when you were trying to be an operations professional. Uh, I thought people would look at me and say, you're an IT manager trying to be an operations professional. Um, but fast forward a few years to the connected world we have today, and actually those IT skills are, are actually quite fundamental now. So a good, a good IT knowledge would be, would be handy. So you've talked a, a, a bit about or alluded to different roles that you've you've had in your career. So I'm gathering you haven't always wanted to be an operations director. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, I mean, if, if I go back to, to when I was young, I, I don't think I ever had and still don't had a grand plan as such of what I want, what I wanted to do or to be. 
when I was younger, my, my friends and I used to wander to the bottom of our road and try and convince the lorry drivers to sound their horns with the appropriate arm movement. So I remember <laughs> wanting to be a long distance lorry driver at, at one point when I was young. When I was early teens, I used to like writing programs on my Sinclair ZX81 and my Memotech MTX500. So I'm showing my age now. Um, and I can remember having a game turned down by Addictive Games, as it was back then. So, so I had an interest in programming and computing uh, back then. Late teens, early 20s, I had some different small business ventures. Uh, I had a bar at one point and some taxis, uh, as well as doing my full-time job. It was They were sort of alongside. So at one point I was aiming to be the next Alan Sugar. <laughs> but unfortunately, the apprentice wasn't around then. So otherwise, who knows what could have been. But You've taken us to a, to a particular stage in your career there. Tell us more. Give us, a, give us an overview of the different roles that you've, you've had between managing taxis and owning a bar to, to <laughs> the ops director you are now. I have to say, I, I mean, to start with, I have to say I've been very lucky. Um, I know you also have to make your own look, but um, with, the, with the industries and the positions I've done, I've been very lucky and fortunate to work with some great people as well, some great managers who, when I look back now, have been more like mentors than managers, to be honest. Um, but you don't realise that at the time. You know, looking back now when you're managing people, you realise that you're being mentored a lot of the time. So I've been, uh, I've been very fortunate. And the, the other thing is, you know, I've been able in my personal life to be able to say yes to lots of opportunities. So, and that's about making your own look. But no, I mean, I, I started, I mean, I left school at 16, no doubt we'll, we'll touch on that. Didn't do the, didn't do the traditional route of university. Um, did a YTS scheme. Uh, there you go, that, that again shows my age. First job was in a foundry. Just to say, even though I didn't do the university side, I, I still did learning. You know, it's very important to keep learning. So I did. I went to night school. I did business and finance for four years. Uh, I started to do SEMA. So I always had some learning going alongside, but full-time learning wasn't for me, really. Um, so, yeah, no, so I started in the foundry. I, I was working in the finance department. I moved to the quality team and was part of a team that implemented 5750. Um, as it was back then. While, whilst I was in the foundry, I, I basically had free roams. I would be on the shop floor. I'd be driving fork trucks. You can't do that, guys, unless you've got a unless you've got a, a license now. But back then, it was a little bit more relaxed. Um, <laughs> but but basically, I was being very interested. You know, you, you have to be interested in the company, so you learn a lot. So I was I was forever on the shop floor. From then back then, you know, anybody who showed an interest in that the big box that was in the room, the computer got given the job so uh, so I was always sort of around the IT side of life as well uh, in these companies so that that sort of stuck with me so then I moved into a, a fast moving consumer goods fresh food company where again I worked in partly for IT partly for the finance team doing a lot of costings as well but I was always on the shop floor as well there sort of uh, from the costing point of view but looking at looking at uh, process optimization as well. Next job was IT manager for a while. And I started at uh, a Swedish company where I stayed for 22 years. I started there as IT and systems manager. But in, in that company, I went from that to logistics manager, operations manager, manufacturing director in Asia, plant manager, 
and then I did a couple of years at uh, of digital transformation before I before I left and and now operations director. Wow, what a what a journey! What an exciting <laughs> journey with so many different hats that you've you've been wearing. How do you think you managed to? acquire these different roles that seemed quite different so you know and quite separate different skill sets what would you say your your secret was to being able to transition into these different roles well i think the secret is is learning how the company ticks and being in charge of the the it and or the erp system you know being the systems manager you have to have a good op, a good understanding of how the operation ticks and how it all links together so I remember when I moved from systems manager to logistics manager, for example, I was doing a lot of work in that particular area uh, to, to sort of make it smoother and make it uh, more effective. And then the logistics manager left the business. And at that time, I felt, yes, I, I, you know, I was doing a lot of work on that. I understand the processes. I'd, I'd only ever managed one person previously, but that didn't sort of uh, daunt me much. Uh, and I, I sort of said to the people, well, if that person's leaving, I want to do that job. And, and they said, yes, fine, but you have to do the IT job as well. I could have wear two hats at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, so that was, that was how I got into, into the logistics. Um, and then from there, again, you, you know, as logistics is part of a chain of functions. And, and as long as you show interest, obviously, in the job you're doing, but show a big interest in what's around you. I mean, that's basically how I went from logistics to operations management, um, similar sort of circumstances, you know, helping out a lot, making sure everything's And then when the opportunity came, the company was happy to, uh, to sort of give me the opportunity. That says an awful lot about attitude, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. uh, you clearly were interested, as you say, willing to learn, willing to get stuck in and support others. So that real can-do attitude, and that that really does get rewarded, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a bit of a cliche, or, or it's easily said, but uh, there's not much substitute for hard work. Uh, and as I say, a positive attitude, absolutely, is uh, the two go along. And and people people don't realise, but managers and people in a company do look out for that. They do recognise it, and and eventually it does pay off. So I'm interested to, to rewind a little bit. So you said that you left school at 16 and that full-time learning was, was not for you. Now, I know a lot of young people who are making choices around A-levels or tertiary education might think that the, the best route is A-levels and university, but we know that is not always the case. So could you maybe tell us a bit about how you went through that decision to not do A-levels and how you approached that early career development uh, in your in your teens, early 20s. Um, you make it sound like I made a decision. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I did okay at school. I mean, I got seven O-levels and, uh, you know, I, I was, I wasn't, I was doing okay. It's just, it wasn't, wasn't keeping me occupied. You know, it wasn't, uh, I wasn't of that type of person that to, to study. So, um, but my parents for whatever reason weren't weren't around to guide me as detailed as maybe could have been shall we say uh, to help direct me so I sort of fell out of school didn't know what I was going to do the uh, careers advisor or the other YTS people got hold of me and said well you better go on a YTS scheme if you don't know what to do and and that was all around um, business electronics and IT. Sorry can you tell us what YTS stands for? Youth training scheme. 
So uh, it was a, around a, a while ago. <laughs> I'm trying not to trying not to give away my age, Jim. It was it was a while it was around a while ago to to capture the people who uh, were not quite sure what they wanted to do and go into further education. Looking back, it was absolutely fantastic, and um, why they ever stopped it. And I think they are going to re rekindle something like this again. Is it a bit like the apprenticeship programs that are run um, now? I wouldn't say so because it was it wasn't based in a company. I mean, I did end up on this. So it was a two year course. The first year was in a sort of more of a more of an academic college type environment, but it wasn't that kind of environment. It wasn't that kind of study. But um, and then the second year, you went out on day release to an actual company, and uh, so that's where you sort of touched base. And that's that's probably the more apprenticeship side of it. But uh, but no, I mean, I, you know, look back. I don't know what would have happened to me if they hadn't caught me. I'm sure I'd have been fine, but maybe wouldn't have been here today and I'm talking to you. But uh, so I'm very forever grateful for that. And, and that got me onto the path uh, that got me to here today. And you say that it was it was focusing on IT and electronics and, and subjects like that. And I'm, I'm trying to rack my brains now. It was there was three sides to it. There was, there was sort of a a business office side where they taught you things like word processing and, and, and sort of basic office skills. Then there was an electronic side. And, you know, I always liked, I still do like playing with the electronics a little bit. And um, so, that, you know, we're teaching you basic electronics and building circuits. And then there was the IT side, um, which was probably more my favorite side where they taught you, you know, spreadsheets and pro basic programming and things and, and just sort of built up your skill set really. And really interesting that those subjects, as you said earlier, are fundamental to what you're doing now and actually what you really enjoy about your job. So you can see a direct link from that very early education to, to the, your, you know, the successful role you're in now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's strange because I think one of the things is, would I do the same subjects again? Uh, you know, and, and, and I did things like yeah. geology and geography as well so it was sort of really <laughs> you know really varied my uh, my sort of school career but uh, but um, you know would I do something different probably not because I think they gave me a good foundation um, and maybe some of them have not you couldn't draw a direct line to to my current career but I mean certainly things like maths and IT you know it's, it's hard to think of a job these days where basic understanding of maths English and, and computing it wouldn't be required Absolutely. It's a, it's a fundamental element these days, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So if you were to, to actually give some advice to your younger self about your career uh, and how to get to where you are now, what, what would that be? <laughs> this, this is an interesting question, and, and, and I've listened to your, your previous podcasts to, to get a flavour, not, not of what people have said, but uh, to, to get this question and and I've thought about this on the one hand I, I got to where I am today by doing exactly what I've done today so you know I've had great experiences living in China India Germany and working with some fantastic people and companies just by doing what I did so part of me would say don't worry keep doing I'll go back and do exactly the same again because this is where it ends up then another part of me thinks well it's a different time now I don't quite subscribe to the, you must do A-levels and go to university, otherwise you won't have a good job. But I do accept that it could be easier to get a job with a university degree, even if it's geography. That said, I think as long as you have a different experience, a different expectation, and you keep learning, you know, I, I went to night school and I, and I did a day release course, 
I think it all comes out in the end. Uh, I mean, not if you want to be a doctor or a scientist, you know, you have to study for that and there's no escape from that. But but using me as an example, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say you must go through the, the A-level and university routes. Just be prepared to start at the bottom. You know, when, when I started in the foundry at the, in the finance department, I was filing and stamping invoices. Uh, but you learn from that. And after four to six years of doing that, and, you know, and I moved up the tree a little bit and had different experiences, you know, you probably, arguably, I know a lot of people will disagree with this, but you're arguably at the same level as if you've just come out of university. You might not have some of the specialist knowledge uh, or the latest thinking, but then people out of university don't have six years of work experience either and, and have had to work out how to deal with people, manage people and learn processes. So I think, you know, it all equals out at the end. You just got to have a, a different expectation at the start um, and be prepared to, to dig in, really. Mm, to work hard. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's where that positive attitude comes in, that can-do attitude comes in again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. do you have any different advice um, to someone if they if they look at the role that you're in now and they, they think, wow, that's that's somewhere I'd like to be in my career. Do you have any advice for, for somebody looking to move into this role? Um, if, if we're talking about younger people, you know, to just sort of leaving school or even taking their final subjects, choosing A-levels, then then if they wanted to, to be here, don't do it, but no, if they wanted to be here, then um, obviously things like engineering type, maths is always a good one. There's, there's a lot of maths and calculations around, but, uh, but an engineering discipline would be good. I, I never did engineering. My, my dad was an engineer and, and, you know, part of me thinks I should have done that. So yeah, some of, some of the more, but, but don't discount things like sociology. You know, it means it sounds funny, but, you know, learning about cultures and people and things like that, you know, don't discount that. It's as important as as an engineering in, in a lot of cases. You know, like I said earlier, it's not about what I do. It's what I can get my team to do uh, as much as anything. So it's about understanding different cultures, different people, being able to engage with people and build that that trust and rapport. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't, that doesn't necessarily mean moving abroad, like I had, I was lucky enough to do. But uh, I mean, even moving from sort of into the automotive industry, you know, that's a high pressured industry, and, and it's, it's got its own fast culture and its own way of working. So, you know, even being able to just move from one industry to another, or one company to another where it might be in the same industry but they have a different culture you know being able to be able to deal with that and, and move between the two I think is, is a huge skill. And do you have any different advice to somebody who's already got years of work experience under their belt but want to move into a senior operations role? I think it, it comes back to you know if I take um, you know if I take one of the functions that reports to me now that let's pick logistics you know, if, if I have a, a logistics manager who wants to step up and, and be my, take my role, then then they, I would say to them and I would encourage them, well, go and walk around the manufacturing floor, you know, go and get involved in engineering, go and, go and have a look, learn how your process feeds into theirs, but also learn their process. Don't stay in your sort of I don't like to use the word silo, but I can't think of a better one. Don't stay in your little world or silo uh, and then expect to step up. You have to you have to show an interest and, and be visible and get out there. So anybody who wants to, to step up, broaden your horizon a little bit 
and start start showing an interest in in those areas around you a bit more deeply i would say building knowledge in mm. in the area that you're wanting to move into fundamental yeah. okay so finally i know you've only been in your role three months so asking what are your plans for your future career might be a bit uh uh, premature, but uh, tell tell me what what are the plans? What's next for you? I th I thought by now we would have um, established that I don't have any grand plans. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a good thing though. It's a great question because and and just to say to to people to give people confidence. I'm always embarrassed when I'm asked that at an interview. You know, what is your career aspirations? Where do you want to be? I, I said even for this job even for the job I'm doing now you know it comes up in every interview and I told my boss look this might not be the the correct answer or the the proper answer but you know I, I don't I don't necessarily have a, a drive to be the CEO within two years my focus right now is to be the best operations director in ACO uh, you know to be the best to make the operations team the best in ACO and, and to continue my understanding of the wider business and then when an opportunity comes up, you know, I, I expect to be considered for it. You know, if I'm interested in it, then I expect to be considered. But it, it might be difficult for some people that. But I, I know there's, there's a few people out there who have this grand plan. I'm going to be CEO by the time I'm 35 and I'm going to be, I don't know, I'll pick accountants. I'm going to be an accountant then a financial director and then board member. And then I'm going to be CEO and I'm, I'm going to drive towards it. And that's fantastic if you can be that clear about your your career get get on and do it absolutely i think those people are in the minority but everybody thinks they're the majority you're <laughs> but, absolutely right that's a really good point um, and, and everybody thinks that's the way that's the right answer well actually for me it's i just want to focus on the now be the best operations director i can be and then if an opportunity comes, maybe it's a sideways move to another part of ACO in another part of the, the world. I don't know. But I, I'm not thinking about that. I don't have a grand plan. Sorry. Um, I'm just I'm just focusing on being the best I am right now and making what I do now and the team I have now a success. I think that's that's a really great insight because. I think you're absolutely right. Most people have, as I call it, an organic career. They don't have a plan. No. Uh, and some do have a, a grand plan. And as you say, that that's fantastic. But actually, you know, to ask you, what, what do you want to do in the next 10 years? You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what opportunities are going to, you know, come your way. So it's really hard unless you are absolutely focused on a particular position. It's really hard to answer that question. I don't want to say it's it's almost pointless. I don't want to be that harsh, but you know, wind back twenty years. You know, Google was probably not even around. I can't remember when Google started now, but they probably weren't even around or, or just in the infancy. Facebook, exactly. You know, additive manufacturing, all these new technologies. They they weren't around then. We've got a lot of new things coming out, and uh, I don't say what's coming out in five years' time or ten years' time. So, and what skills will they need, you know? So, I mean, things like, you know, even if you said something traditional like doctors, nurses, surgeons, you know, they're even getting robots to do some of that these days. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, again, I would, I would say, don't worry about the future because nobody knows what the future looks like. Uh, and it's certainly not gonna look like it is today, but just get those fundamental skills. And I think I think it was mentioned in one of the, the previous podcasts of yours that uh, you know people skills will always be you know there'll always be people 
that it doesn't matter what's happening in, in industry or, or the wider business world, that there'll always be people around and, and learning to deal with people will, as a skill will never, never not be needed. Absolutely, 100%. Well, thank you so much for joining me. You've given such a great insight and advice and painted such a really interesting story of your career. I've really, really enjoyed it. So thank you so much. No, you're welcome. I, I hope it's uh, useful to some people out there. Thanks for listening to another career story from the field. If you enjoyed this conversation, please follow or subscribe. Thanks for listening.